0: everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. So glad that you are here with us today. Today, you're listening to episode 97, and I'm talking with Dez Linden. Dez has been a bucket list guest for me basically since I started the show. So I was so grateful when my friend Mary connected me with Dez's agent josh and we set this all up so big thanks to mary for supporting me in that way and big thanks to josh for setting this episode up so though does needs no real introduction if you are familiar with distance running in our country let me just tell you a little bit about her she's a two-time olympian in the marathon she was the runner-up in the boston marathon the chicago marathon and the u.s olympic trials she holds a personal record in the marathon of 22238. Des is hungry for the win in one of these big marathons. so it's going to be so exciting because this year in 2018, along with so many other talented professional women runners in our country, she is going to be towing the line at Boston. So it's going to be so fun to cheer for her. and I'm super excited because I'm actually going to be in Boston my husband's running, though I don't think he will run as fast as Des. I will be there cheering for her and him. (laughs) So in this episode, we get into Boston and why she loves that course so much, the race so much. And we also talk about lots of other fun things too, like how she met her husband. Of course, you guys know I love that question. What her favorite most recent books are and also just all kinds of things about training and racing and you guys are gonna get a lot of good info out of this. I also just have to say, you guys, that we had some major audio issues the first 40 minutes of this conversation, and I had Des on Skype for like two hours, and I only asked for an hour of her time, so so I just want everybody to know that she's a very kind and patient person. Before we get started talking with Des, I wanna thank Generation UCAN for supporting this podcast. You guys know I love Fueling with Generation UCAN for my marathon training. Generation You can is powered by a super starch, which is the key ingredient to help you have long lasting energy with no sugar spikes. And it's very easy on the stomach, which is very important for us runners, right? You guys can get 15% off your next order at Generation You can if you just go to generationyoucan.com slash another and use the promo code another all caps and that'll get you that 15% off your next order. A lot of people ask me how I prepare my UCAN and what I do is I shake it up real good the night before, put it in the fridge and then shake it up real good the morning of that I'm using it and drink it about 30 minutes or so before my long run. Sometimes I take it with me and sip on it during my long run so there are lots of different ways to use it but that is how I personally use Generation UCAN. So go to generationyoucan.com slash another, use the promo code another all caps to get 15% off your next order. All right, guys, if you're loving the show, I would appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes, go to your podcast app, pull it out right now. Apparently with the new update in the iPhone, it's much easier to leave reviews. So I hear and leave me a rating and review if you feel so inclined to do so. It's the best way for potential new listeners to find the show. You guys have heard me say that before, right? And thank you to Believe08 on iTunes who left this review on December 24th. Love this podcast. Totally fell in love with this podcast during my long runs for the New York City Marathon. Thank you, Lindsay, for making the time on my long runs fly by. Great job. That is my hope and that is my goal because I love nothing more than listening to a good podcast on my long runs as well. So I totally, totally feel the same way as you. Thank you so much for leaving that review. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. All right, guys, if you're looking for more content for me, you can always find that over on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Hine. Over there, I record bonus episodes with returning guests and episodes with my husband, Glenn, as well. And yeah, this is the last episode of 2017. So Thank you guys so much for growing with me this year and supporting the podcast and being a part of this community. I'm so grateful for each one of you who listen each week because if you didn't listen, I wouldn't have a job. This is what I do. So I'm so thankful for each and every one of you and I promise I will continue to work hard in 2018 to put out quality content that you enjoy and can take with on your runs on your commutes while you cook dinner while you fold laundry whatever you do when you listen to podcasts so seriously from the bottom of my heart thank you guys so much for listening and I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Des Linden all right Des welcome to the show thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Excited to do it.
0: I'm so excited to hear that you're running Boston 2018.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a great field. Um, well, and they've only announced the Americans so far, so it's just going to get better. I'm excited to be a part of it, and um, I think it's going to be a pretty special day.
0: So, did you know ahead of time how many of your American competitors were going to be out there with you?
1: Um, I You always have a good feeling just because Boston's going to bring the best of the best. And right now there's just so much depth in American distance running, um, especially on the women's side and especially in the marathon. So when you know they're putting together an American field, it's just sort of a given these days that that it's going to be great. So I didn't officially
0: know, but I knew. You kind of had like a hunch who was going to be out there with you? Sure. Yeah. What do you think attributes to that? Like how fast and deep the american women are these days
1: yeah it's been a process i think um i started marathoning in 2007 and that was not the case but i think there's just so many more opportunities these days and um, people are staying in the sport longer there's a lot of development teams there's reasons to keep chasing your dreams and there's support to do that and we're seeing results more frequently. And, uh, I think the success breeds success. So like you see someone have a breakthrough and you're like, well, I, I raced with them. I trained with them. Um, why can't I have that breakthrough? Why can't that be me? And so people just stick around a little bit longer and, um, have a little more grit about the whole thing.
0: Well, and speaking of breakthroughs, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier before, (laughs) before the recording, uh, was broken and now it's fixed. But you've mentioned that Boston 2011, when you got second place by two seconds, um, you
1: ran that 222.
0: Was that was that a breakthrough moment for you?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think it was the first one that people really saw and noticed and like you couldn't you couldn't miss that one. Um, I had these little stepping stones along the way where I was making progress and developing as an athlete and having success that kept me in the sport. Um, but I don't think other people would have viewed those as breakthroughs per se. Um, so this, that was the big one where everyone went, Oh, that's what she's been up to the last seven years or however many years. Um, but if I went back and looked at each one and explained why there was little breakthroughs along the way, people look, Oh, okay. I, I see the development. So it made sense. It wasn't as huge as maybe people thought. Um like my team knew it was coming. Like my team knew it was on the way. So it's
0: like you had this big secret.
1: Here she comes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like I always look at race day as like your chance to show off. You know, like you work really hard for months and months and no one really knows what you're doing. They're like, Are you do you really have a job? I'm like, no, no, I swear. Um and then on race day you get to see like the sexy polished product and you're like, yeah, that's what I've been doing. So That was fun. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah. And as a fan in the running community, to be completely honest, like back then, I feel like you heard a lot about the Shalanes and the Karas. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, what about Des Linden? Here she is.
1: (laughs) Rightfully so. I mean, those two have had um, incredible careers, you know, dating back to high school. And so it's just they've earned every headline and every bit of attention. They've got and gotten uh to that point so you know I just hadn't had those type of days yet and that was my moment um and you know I think people are less likely to skip over me these days <laughs>
0: well I love that and um we'll get back to the 2011 marathon when you ran the 222 but just speaking on that topic alone um I loved seeing your tweets when Shalane won New York and I love seeing that camaraderie between you girls, like all of you elite runners who are just behind each other, like that win and that victory for Shalane, it seemed like it felt really special to you too.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think there's just so much respect in this sport. We want to rip each other's heads off, like no doubt about it. When we line up against each other, like (laughs) I want to crush you. And that's just like, you just get in your zone and that's what it is. But We also know everything that goes into it and how hard you work and how hard you train and, like, injuries happen. And we all kind of experience the same thing. We're all working really hard for the same goal. So only one person can win. And when it's, you know, someone who's been pushing you really hard and um, that you look up to and, yeah, you're trying to beat, but you just learn to really respect all the work they've put in and you're really proud for them and happy for them. So, yeah, that was – that was 100% genuine. I was yelling at my TV, um, hoping for her to have So yeah, it was it was fun to watch.
0: So you were watching from home?
1: I was, yes.
0: Okay, so let's go back to that 2011 Boston, and um, you set a four-minute PR. You had ran a 226 in Chicago in 2010, and then months later, you come and run Boston, and you run that 222. Can you tell everybody about that progression and, and kind of how you took that big chunk and what that looked like.
1: Yeah. um, So I actually, I think that was like my fifth or sixth marathon in a row where I had PR'd. And just like learning the event obviously took time. And, you know, each one was like, it was baby steps. But I think my Chicago 226, I actually probably, even though I PR'd, I think I underperformed for where my fitness was. Um, so I went into the Boston training really hungry. I was like, I, you know, I know I'm better than my last one. Like we're ready to make a big jump. So I think if I had performed a little better at Chicago, it would have been a smaller improvement. Um, so it would have been as crazy when you look at the math on the paper. But, uh, we also had honestly the perfect day in Boston. Um, it was the, the downhill tailwind that gave everyone like a 10 minute PR or whatever. Um, you know, it's been exaggerated since because people, you know, they have a hard time maybe believing that Ryan Hall ran that fast or that the world record was set on the Boston course. But it was just really indicative of how fast that day was. And um, people got after it because they were excited.
0: Why do you love Boston so much?
1: there's just such a great history there. And I know that's like the easy answer. Well, there's a <laughs> blah of blah, blah years old, uh, but it's really, I mean, when you stand in Hopkinton and you know, you're going to run 26.2 miles over the same course that has been run hundreds of years. There's landmarks along the way that are so marathon specific. Um, you know, the people are out there and they're fired up to watch and you're running yourself into the history books. I think that's really cool. Um, and honestly, the, the people out there are fantastic and you know, it's such a runner's parade that weekend, the whole weekend is it's an event. It's not just a race, like everybody in town is there for the marathon. They're psyched about running. Um, and the BAA and John Hancock, you know, they treat everyone like family. So it's fun to be there. It's fun to catch up with your old friends and yeah, it's just, it really is an experience.
0: Would you say it's your favorite marathon? Um,
1: Yeah, it is, for sure. I mean, I've just done it so many times that, you know, if I didn't go to Boston in the spring, I'd be like, I'd feel like confused about what I was doing in April. What's going on?
0: <laughs> yeah, this will be your sixth Boston, right? I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So the first time you ran it, you ran at 244. And then, you know, the other four times you've ran, you've been anywhere between 222 and 225. Um, what's the difference there? I mean, that was 07 and now we're talking like 2011, 14, 15, and 17. So obviously lots of years of training, but what's the difference?
1: Yeah, I'm old now. That's different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 2007 was my debut and I think that's partially why I love the event so much. Like that was my first marathon and, um, I just, I fell in love with the event 26.2 and, all the things that went into it and then to do that in a place like Boston was really cool. Um, as far as the time that day, so 2011 was like the breath of God at our back, just making everyone run fast. Um, in 2007, it was the nor'easter where they almost canceled the race and it was like the breath of God in our face saying, this is going to (laughs) be like 30 miles. Um, but I still loved it. I still had such a great time. It rained. It was windy. It was miserable. But I was like, "This is so much fun." Um, so it was my debut. And when we saw the weather, you know, you kind of threw times out the window. It was like just qualify for the Olympic trials. That's like a goal. Get that done, and you know, that's a success. So um, doing that was was kind of the goal in the day, and everything else would have been gravy. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So talk about as an elite athlete and as I mean, this is your job, this is your career, um, racing in conditions rather than racing for time and racing for the W rather than racing for a PR, you know?
1: Yeah, I think Boston's just a really good place to do that. New York is really similar. Um, I guess the games and stuff like that. You know, it's it's really for us. Well, that's not true. When I first started, time was super important because it helped me you know, I had 244, I had a long way to go to be competitive and I needed to chip away at it and see little successes along the way. Um, it's hard to win Boston if you're a 244 woman. (laughs) Let's try to get a little bit better and a little bit better. Uh, but now when I run there or when I race there or any major marathon, it's like, how close to a win can I get? How do you, you know, put yourself in the mix to just try and break the tape? Because that's, um, at this point, the ultimate goal and so it is. it changes your racing tactics and your training style and the whole thing. Um, but, you know, I think there's a place for both. I mean, you can go to a a London or a Tokyo and, and have a pacer and just try to rip a fast one. But New York and, and Boston are where the racers go. And there's a lot of prestige in, in trying to win, you know, in getting a win at one of those places. So that's that, to me, is exciting.
0: So when you ran a 231 in Chicago in 2008 was that kind of the race where you realized that you had the potential and that you were hungry enough to chase after the big W?
1: Yeah, that was definitely a big stepping stone because the first two races won the debut, which was miserable weather and like just get the trials qualifier. Um, and then I followed that up with the Olympic trials in 2008 where I kind of had to extend myself and really race the people in front because you're trying to get the top three spots there. Um, and I hit the wall and like totally blew up, learned a lot about the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was like the rookie mistakes I made all of them, so that was kind of a pivotal moment where I was like, You know, can I learn this event? Do I like this event? Do I want to do this um and i don 't know sometimes when you have those big setbacks or like quote unquote failures um it's a key moment where you decide like, no, I'm done. I think I'm going to move on to something else. And I looked at, at that and was like, that totally got the best of me, but I can come back and be better. And like, when I do, I'm going to, I'm going to crush this event. Like I want to figure it out so bad. It was like, um, having a really difficult puzzle put in front of you. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to get this. Um, so from that, you know, Olympic trials experience, I, busted my butt for a good stretch of time and then did have that result, the 231 in Chicago. And so that was really gratifying. And um, I still had a lot to learn in the event, but I at least had some success where I was like, okay, I can I can keep doing this. And I'm, you know, I'm chipping away at this puzzle. So let's keep going. It's
0: interesting to hear you say, you know, you as a professional runner say that you made all these rookie mistakes, because I think, Oftentimes, as recreational runners, we just don't think that happens you know with professional athletes because you're you know you've got your coach and you have all this experience racing other distances. But tell me about that. What were the rookie mistakes? Was it that you went out too hard? Did you feel not feel correctly?
1: um yeah, no I just I didn't feel correctly, and I think I was so nervous. This is trials, and I knew I was super fit and um you know we get the special bottles that Mm -hmm. you can fill up with your, you know, on the course, um, instead of the paper cups. And so it's super easy. All you have to do is grab (laughs) a bottle of drink. And I like felt like I was going to vomit every time I went to drink out of my bottle. And I was like, well, you know, I don't want to lose everything I've eaten thus far and still not be able to get fluids down. So I'm just not going to take fluids. And I think that was probably around 15 K or so. So I just stopped taking fluids and Felt awesome till mile twenty two, and then it was death march. Um, like I learned a lot about the marathon, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is it is is a total rookie mistake. And you hear everybody say it, and you're like, yeah, but that's not going to happen to me. Um, so that was a big thing after that race. Like we practice fueling, like nobody's business on on long runs and training runs and, and that type of stuff. So. Anybody who asks me questions about fueling, I give them a ton of advice, and it's like more like a reminder to myself than to them. <laughs> I know a lot about this. Let me tell you. <laughs> what
0: do you fuel with now?
1: Um, gosh, now I've been using uh, Power Bar their electrolyte electrolyte mix, and then on the second half after 25k, I'll use the Power Gel. Uh, double latte. So there's some caffeine in there and I'll just squeeze it in a bottle of water, shake that up and drink that.
0: What's that like grabbing those? So, I mean, you're running so fast. I mean, (laughs) I I just ran a marathon in like uh, seven minutes and 20 second pace. And I even felt like, I mean, that's not that fast, but I even felt like when I was grabbing my waters that I was like rushed to grab them. And you're doing this like two minutes per mile. (laughs) faster even faster than that faster so how do you I mean that's technique
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's totally practice but honestly I think it um the cups are ridiculous okay where you have to squeeze it and like 90% of it goes down your shirt or up your nose so you have to grab a bunch like I've done one with the cups and that was so hard okay so the bottle like the hardest part is that you have maybe 15 athletes like running at one table and someone always grabs the wrong bottle and someone stops because they think that that's a good idea. Um, so it's more like managing the people around you and not like crashing and tripping. Um, but once you have the bottle in your hand, it's like second nature if you practice, which I've done a lot of.
0: <laughs> okay. So then do you just throw it down?
1: Yeah. Okay. Some people be like, cause you have a lot of time out there. you you know, you're not running super hard yet especially if it's in the early miles but a lot of people like look for a kid and they get all excited because mm. they have this sticky bottle that has a name on it. I don't know. If I was a parent I'd be like leave it. Don't touch it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about that though cuz you said you're not running super hard yet. What does to somebody running? So what's 222? I should know this in my research. But what is that per mile?
1: I want to say it's 526.
0: Okay. Okay. So I was pretty close to that 2 minutes that I mentioned. So mm-hmm. Uh, you say that you're not running so hard yet. Tell me what that feels like through the half, because I'm always curious to know, like you guys are running so hard the entire time, but when does the effort start to feel difficult in the marathon to you?
1: It's, I I mean, I think it's the same thing we would tell the masses and that's, you know, you run the first 20 miles with your head and the last 10 K with your heart. Um, I think that you're never really in like the pace isn't really that fast. Like when you compare it to your half marathon pace or your five K or whatever, you're never really running super fast. And I don't mean that like, I get that the numbers might seem crazy, but you know, you, it's a fueling thing. It's using the glycogen in your muscles correctly. And knowing that at 20 K, no matter who you are, or sorry, 20 miles, 22 miles, no matter who you are, you're going to be on a low fuel tank. And that's what, that's why it's hard. The pace isn't necessarily like too fast. It's, can you run fast on an empty fuel tank? So same thing probably as masses, 20, 22 miles is when you find out if you've gone out too hard and it's not because it's you know, your legs are tired, it's because you're out of fuel.
0: Yeah. So you're known for being a pretty even split runner. Mm -hmm. And in the past, like even when the pack will go forward, you kind of just stick to your guns, like this is what I'm doing. I'm confident that what I'm how I'm running, I I will catch back up when the time is right. Uh, Tell us about that strategy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just something we really practice with uh the hansons group um they're very big into pacing and a lot of it is managing that that fuel tank like all the work we've done says, you can run this fast for you know 20 miles and then hopefully have some pop in your legs to race um so extending beyond that is like we haven't really proven that that is a smart decision at all Um, so it's, it's trusting those guys and the preparation. And if you, you know, if, if, for me, if I know that that pace is usually in the hunt to win Boston, then there's no reason for me to go try and run, you know, a couple five tens when generally it will always come back. Um, there's obviously sometimes people that just run out of this world and, you know, it would be tough to beat them anyways because the fitness never showed you could do that. Um, So it's sticking to your guns and I think trusting the training and trusting the racing plan.
0: In the race setting, do you feel anxious when that pack takes off and does those faster miles and you stick to what you know is, is true to you?
1: Um, I mean, there's a range where you're like, okay, well that's, that's doable for a mile or two. Let's just see where it goes from here. Um, And so you have to make decisions on the fly. There's sometimes where the pace is just way too hot and you're like, no one's running that. So it actually kind of, I mean, you want, like, you wonder like, is someone going to have this crazy breakthrough? But you know, most of the time I kind of smile like, man, you're really burning a lot of energy doing that. And I don't, you have, you know, there's not a lot of in your result history there that says it's doable. Um, Although it's you know, there's just so many great runners these days, you never know. But yeah, I mean for me it's like it doesn't I can't do that anyway. So see ya and hopefully <laughs> I'll see you again.
0: <laughs> I'll see you in a few miles. Now, do you think about that when you're you know, when that lead pack is up there? Like, um, you know what you know what results different people have had, your competitors have had, so you kinda like think about that when they take
1: off. Yeah, you can kind of decide who's for real and who might be getting a, in a little over their head. Um, and then you can usually see it sort of come back in that same way to you, which is nice. Cause you have bodies to look up and like, you're just like little carrots along the way. <laughs> um, and again, like every race field is different. Like, I don't want to sound like a jerk. Like, yeah, no, I, I know everyone's coming back, but sure. There's certain people that, you know, I just, you're just like, that's way over your head. Um, but a lot of people just really respond to everything, which is just a tactic that works for them.
0: Now, tell me about your mindset when you're racing in those last uh, in the last 10K, when you said, you know, that's when you kind of see if you have pop in your legs and, and you race with your heart. What are what do you say in your head and what do you, what are the mantras and things that get you through to really push in the last 10K?
1: Yeah, um, I try one to be as relaxed as possible my college coach used to say, relax and let the run come out of you. And I like, I, I was like, that's stupid. I don't get what you're saying. <laughs> I need to force this. Um, but it is, it's don't really run fast when you're rigid and tense and you're like tightened up, you have to relax and let the fast running happen. So my mantra is always calm, 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 relax, relax, relax. And I try to say it in a pattern that is, you know, fluid with my running and, um, will help me get a good turnover, but also like keep my body and my mind relaxed. And that works for some part of it. And then some part you just have to let go of that. and just like run your face off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Run your face off. And that part's like the heart part, you know, and that's where you're like, why, like, why do I do this? You know, you think about things that maybe um, you've sacrificed. I hate the word sacrifice because it's a choice, you know, Um, the things you've given up to get there. Like for me, I'll go to altitude or I'll go to training camp, uh, through the winter. And, um, you know, I'm away from my husband and we have these two awesome dogs and I'm away from them and my family and I, you know, commit every day to doing everything I can. Otherwise I should be home being like a good person for my family. Um, and they get it. So I feel like in those moments, those late miles where you want to stop and you want to quit, you think about the people for me, I think about the people who've supported me and sacrificed a lot for me to do this. And, uh, I want to look them in the eyes after the race and like, I did everything I could. Like there wasn't a step that was wasted. There wasn't a moment where I felt sorry for myself because I know that you're a part of this as much as I am. And I, like, I would hate to feel like I let those people down. So it, it is about, it's an individual sport, but it's such a team thing. You know, everyone has a team behind them. You're therapist, your Cairo, your family, your coaches, your teammates, whatever it may be. They all um, support us every day and they don't get that glory out there per se, but you can fight for them and, um, you know, make it worthwhile, hopefully, for them. Now, you said um,
0: you want it to, you know, you want them to know that you laid it all out there and, I, I forget when, who I was talking to, but I was, I think it was in a recent interview. I was saying how in my last marathon, I feel like I executed my race as best as I could. That being said, when the three ten pace group passed me, I think looking back, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. I lost a minute and a half on them. And I think that I could have gave more. I think I could have stayed with them, um, because I wasn't dying out there, you Mm -hmm. know? So like, Mm how do you tap into that extra heart where you're just not leaving anything out there?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, for one, I think that the further away we get from the experience, the better we felt in the moment, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, yeah, no, there was probably more in the tank. Like I probably could have sure kicked so-and-so for that Boston win. But like in the moment, you're probably doing everything you can. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think, um, I get the, the question too. Um, I think we're stronger than we think, you know, and you just have to keep asking yourself, like, am I doing everything? And maybe that's the, the mantra, you know, like give yourself a minute and say, okay, for this minute, I'm going to do everything I can. And then you focus on that small block, manageable block, manageable block of time. And then you ask yourself again, is there more, um, You know, I think it's breaking it down into manageable sections and saying, let me give everything until that stop sign or until that lady in the red shirt or whatever is down the road. Um, But when you're like, oh, man, I have four miles left to go. This is so far and I'm tired. I don't want to keep trying. You know, like I can't maintain it that long. Um, Then it seems daunting. But if you do it in small sections and have little successes, um, I think that's a good way to get more out of yourself
0: yeah that's a lot man more manageable for sure
1: right
0: so you mentioned oh make it to that lady in the red and it just (laughs) makes me think like when you're running in a race like boston i mean well boston's crazy i mean they're all crazy with the the big the big major marathons are crazy with the fans but do you ever pay attention or like notice specific things that people say or is it all kind of like a blur to you um i mean like the spectators
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I notice. I mean, it's the same thing where, like, the first 20, you're just, like, trying to make it as easy as possible. So you can't be super tense, like, okay, what are we doing now? Like, (laughs) You know, like, that's way too long to have that much intensity. So, you know, you notice people out there and um, fans cheering and stuff. And then the last 10K, you're racing as hard as you can, but you're tapping into – the energy of the crowd because you're trying to get energy from wherever you can. So like, you know, especially as Americans running in Boston, if you're running well, they're the people are losing their mind and they're, you know, chanting USA in mass groups and it's, it's insane. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm doing this for them too. Um, so you notice that stuff. And sometimes there's just really funny signs yeah. that you just laugh at, even though you're running really hard. You're like, Oh, that's, that's so clever. <laughs> you notice the signs, huh? Sometimes. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's surprising to me. So you ran in 2014. Did you notice an uptick in spectators that year and, and just the crowds?
1: Yeah, that was insane. That was, um, that was a crazy year. Just the feel of the whole event was different. And there was way more people. Um, my husband runs it. He's run it a few times and he's like, man, I feel bad for the women because they go before he's like no one's really even out yet like Mm -hmm. there's the crowds aren't that big yet but that year he was like oh there was so many people out that that was what the men experience every year (laughs) whatever
0: (laughs) yeah you know I actually ran it that year too and I noticed a huge crowd difference but that's an interesting point that he brings up because I've also spectated and I think it was 2012 I sat on the finish line and I mean, yeah, when you, when the elite women are finishing, crowds are kind of still filling in.
1: Right. They're just like finishing up their Bloody Marys. Yeah. You know, watching it on TV. Yeah. I I want to do it as um, just a regular runner, you know, in my retirement and like bring a camera and just oh, totally do the parade. <laughs> jog so an easy, like
0: jog an easy, like three hour marathon. No big deal.
1: Oh gosh. No, slower than that.
0: Uh, <laughs> What would you say if you, like, went out and did a marathon just for fun with, like, your camera and stuff and you were jogging pretty
1: easy, what would you say you would run that in? Um, Gosh, I don't know. I mean, if, if for it to be fun, maybe 7.30 pace.
0: Okay. So, like, well, that's like a 320 or something like that.
1: Yeah. But I also really don't want to do anything for over three hours.
0: Yeah, it's a long time to be on your feet.
1: <laughs> like. When I'm ready to change directions in my career, I'll have to really process that.
0: Hey guys, before we continue my conversation with Des, I want to jump in and thank two sponsors of this episode. And the first is Run the Edge. Run the Edge was founded by Tim Catalano and Adam Goucher. That's right, Kara Goucher's husband. And what it is, is it's a program to run the year in fitness. So your goal is to run 2,000 and 18 miles in 2018. Now, if that's daunting to you, you can break that up and you can do it with a group. You can have a team of up to four people and this is just an amazing community support where you get swag and incentives along the way. There's an online mileage tracker that keeps track of you and your team and lets you follow other individuals and teams as well. Now this is a really great way to motivate friends and family members to get in shape with you in a fun collaborative way. So if you're sitting here thinking, Lindsay, I already run 2018 miles for the year, that's not that hard for me, well think about your sister or your brother or your best friend or your mom or your dad or whoever who could use a goal like this to get motivated. You could be on their team, you guys could have a team of four and Run The Edge has this incredible Facebook group community where people are just encouraging and so helpful to one another in helping each other achieve their goals. Now, you might also remember that Jenna, in the last episode, is giving away scholarships for the Run the Edge program, and I'll put the link to apply for her scholarship in the show notes, as well as a link to register yourself or a team for this program. I highly encourage everybody to check it out. Either sign up to Run the Year Yourself, or grab a couple friends or family members who need that extra bit of encouragement and get them on a team together. So you can go to runtheedge.com to check out more about their website and everything they have to offer. And you can use the promo code ANOTHER to get $5 off your registration package. And hey, if you guys do sign a team up or whatever, let me know, I wanna hear about that. I wanna hear about the experience. And if you could use that team experience and you wanna sign up a group, with a group, you know what you could do is you could join my Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsey Hine, and you could post on there and see if anybody else in the podcast group wants to be on the team with you. All right, that's runtheedge.com promo code another to get five dollars off your registration. And then, you guys, I also want to thank Zappos for being a part of this podcast. Zappos has a brand new running site, zapposcom running where they have brands like Nike, Adidas, Brooks. Lucy, Lorna, Jane, and they have shoes from any brand you could think of that will be there for you to support all your running needs. I recently bought a couple sports bras from Zappos Running and I love them. Zappos has fast and free shipping, basically overnight. Not basically, they do have overnight shipping, and you order it and it's on your front door the next day. Can't beat that. And they are known for their excellent customer service. I highly recommend them for fast and efficient ways to meet your running needs, you guys just go to zappos.com slash running and check out their site. Thank you Zappos for supporting this podcast. So you said your husband runs, does he run it every year?
1: Not every year. Um, and actually he's recently got into the Ironman stuff, stuff.
0: (laughs) So talk to me about that. What's that like balancing your uh, professional endeavors with with running and him jumping into the triathlon Ironman stuff. How do you guys balance that?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, we're he's been at it a while, so we've he's um, he's the best. Like I feel like I'm not working on it because he manages it, which is um, super nice of him. But it is it's interesting because I mean it's eye opening to me how much time he spends preparing for the Ironman and even, even when he's doing the half, um, it's just this big commitment and, um, it's not his career. He's, it's just his hobby and he loves it. And he's so dedicated. Like sometimes I feel really bad or like a bad person. Cause I'm like, man, I really just don't feel like running today. I'm so tired. I've been working so hard and he's got his job. Um, and you know, he takes care of me like way too much, like with cooking and cleaning and all of that. Um, and he still like does work out in the morning or work out in the evening. And it's just like, he, it's not even a question. He just gets it done. So for me to watch him do that and see his dedication and his passion for the sport is always, um, it's a good reminder that I'm super lucky to get to do what I do and, uh, makes me, you know, appreciate it a lot more and obviously appreciate him. Um, so then I try to be nicer when (laughs) angry or, like, tired with the miles. I'm like, I should be nice. <laughs> How did you guys meet? Uh, he was my neighbor. <laughs> okay. So he he ran. I'm on the Hanson's team, and he ran with um, the guys. He wasn't on the team, but he, like, ran with them quite a bit. And then the Hanson's house, the women's house, was right next to his. Um, So we would see him all the time.
0: So he must run pretty fast, then, if he can train with the guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, he does... Some stuff with them. I don't want to brag, but I do have the family uh, marathon PR. <laughs> I do. Want, I do want to brag. What am I saying?
0: You should brag. What's his marathon <laughs> PR?
1: Um, this is a funny story. I know you didn't ask for it, but I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I want to hear it. His is two twenty six twenty two. And when we when I ran my two twenty six twenty in Chicago, um, we did. He was a marathoner predominantly then, and so we did most of the training together and he was way more fit than i was he was like ready to run 224 um, and it just like kind of exploded the the second half of the race and so i think i caught him at like mile 25 oh my uh, maybe gosh. just past 25 and he was like, so he got like kind of a second win. like, uh oh, this isn't this isn't good. Um, so he started like getting the, the crowd pumped up, like, hey, she's the first American woman, like, start, you know, and like was running in front of me, and I was like, dude, don't pace me, everyone's going to think you paced me for the whole race. <laughs> so we're like, i had this little argument on the course, and he was like, fine. Um, so he ran <laughs> on all sides of the road, and then the fastest women's American woman's time that year was Magdalena Louie, who ran two twenty six twenty two, I believe. So we're getting close to the finish line, and I'm like, I gotta beat that time. Like that matters like to me. And so I start kicking, and he like was not ready for it. So basically, I out kicked him. That but it, was, it wasn't amazing. about him. It was about the time. And so he was like, "What the heck? What was that about?" <laughs> that is so
0: amazing. Okay, tell me what race that that was. Chicago,
1: Chicago, 2010.
0: Oh my gosh! Oh, that was when you the ran first. the 226. Yeah.
1: Yeah, look up the splits, and we didn't. We never ran us like we ran probably a half mile together.
0: <laughs> no, but I I wonder how many people caught that. Like how many people were like, oh my gosh, that's her husband that she's yeah, like running by. Oh, he was your boyfriend at the time.
1: Yeah, so it wasn't even like that didn't even have the same last name.
0: <laughs> that's hysterical. Oh my gosh, I bet that's a story a lot of people don't know about.
1: It could be. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's so funny. Well, that's kind of fun though that you guys were so similar in pace that you could do training runs together
1: yeah it was um it had its ups and downs because I'm like super cranky and neurotic about sure. he he's relaxed about everything like literally everything he's just like super chill um which is probably again is great for me <laughs> he's like oh, I don't know what you bring to the table lady <laughs> <laughs> well clearly
0: when you kicked his butt in 2010 he was like I gotta marry that girl
1: he thought that's probably what did it
0: (laughs) so he's moved on to the Ironman stuff though so does it does he even get competitive at all in the marathon anymore because I mean 226 yeah he's not racing with the top American men but like that's fast
1: yeah that um he's gotten away from the marathon since then which is kind of a bummer because honestly he was in much better shape that day he just some things didn't go his way so I think he's what's my PR 222 He's probably like a two twenty three guy.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> he's at least a minute slower than me, but he's yeah, still pretty sure. fast.
1: Yeah. He's okay.
0: <laughs> what iron is he training for a specific iron man right now?
1: I don't think he has anything on the schedule yet, but I know he'll try and get, uh, I think he's trying to do a Kona qualifier for next year. Okay. So probably, I think maybe Whistler, he does that in July. Um, those are hard to spectate. I make him pick good races where I'm like, I would love to go there. You should do that race.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. And if you're in intense training, like I, my husband has done one Ironman. And that's a long ass day for the spectator.
1: Right? You're like, it's so hard. You don't understand.
0: Yes. When my, and they're
1: like, dude, really? You can't say that to me.
0: Right. I know when my husband did his first and only Ironman, um, our son was like, uh, 10 weeks old and i was like toting him around all day and like breastfeeding on the sidelines and at the end of the race i was so tired i like i've never been so tired in my entire life and he finished the iron man and we had to like go um get our car which was like a couple miles away and he rode the bike to go get the car because i was like i'm sorry i can't do it
1: yeah it's the worst because you're like you can't you can't really complain. But you have a child. So like, if you have yeah. a baby, that's total game changer. Yeah. I'm just tired because I'm weak.
0: <laughs> it's a long day, but it is so fun. And you know what yeah. course is good is um, to spectate on is the Wisconsin in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Has he done that one?
1: He hasn't. I've heard good things, though. I've heard it's really neat.
0: Yeah, it's like a very spectator-friendly course. I mean, you could technically see him in the marathon like 12 times that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. You don't have to make I mean you you don't have to make that a priority. But it's it's a potentially a lot of a uh, scene of the person running. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. So you um you recently took some time off though.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I just um I've been on go for a really long time and when you start thinking about like the different races um the the Olympic trials has to be the most stressful thing athletes go through <laughs> when you really think about it um, and all the, the things that are in play. So I did that race and, like, obviously made the team, but that was a lot on my plate. And then you regroup and you're like, oh, my God, I have to get ready for the biggest race of my life. Um, so then there's, you know, you put a ton of pressure and expectations on yourself going into the games and then there's almost always like a lull afterwards where you're like, okay, I just going to hit reset, regroup, like figure out how I'm going to prep for the next four years. Um, and I felt like I was kind of afraid that if I took that break, I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. Like, I don't need to start again. Um, so I almost just pushed it away. And, and um, you know, I went into Boston last year with that same intensity of the games really. and um, it's like, okay, I want to, like, I want to win this race. This is like, end all be all, you know, all the different things. And I put it out there, you know, I was, I believed it, but also it was like, if this is out there, um, you know, I'm going to be more motivated than never to back up what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to just sound like I'm saying nonsense just to say it. Um, so I, you know, obviously approached that race with a ton of intensity as well. And then coming off of that, it was like, it all just kind of hit at once and, Um, there was just a crazy amount of fatigue physically, mentally, the whole thing. And I was like, I just need to not force anything for a while and make sure I'm, you know, recovered, regrouped and want to be doing this. Um, and it took a while. Um, it took a while to get excited, but, you know, I think I'm in a a good place now. i did a bunch of races that are like, these are just, this is just fun. Like I just want to go out and have fun, do some races that are on my bucket list, do races where the expectation like for me in a 5k is pretty low. So, um, (laughs) I can go and, and just enjoy it and not feel like the result is, um, defining me per se.
0: (laughs) So when you take a break, like the break that you took, which sounds like for you, it was a pretty intense break.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What does that look like? Are you running like 30 miles a week or 50 miles a week, but just like kind of hobby jogging or what does that break look like?
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, I came off of Boston and it was still like, I didn't realize I needed it. And I tried to train pretty hard again through July. I ran a half marathon in Australia and it, that was like when I was like, wow, this is, I did a lot of training and this kind of sucks. Mm. Um, so it was after that I took, you know, two weeks totally off. And then I just decided to run when I felt like it. And if I didn't, don't run. Um, and it was a mixed bag. Like some days, you know, there's like a lot a lot of stretches of um, holes in my training log. I call it a Swiss, tre- Swiss cheese training log. It's like a lot of holes in there. Um, And it wasn't really until I think, uh, well, September I started sprinkling in some workouts. October, it was like, okay, this is this is real training. Like I'm doing workouts. Mm -hmm. I'm doing recovery days right, and like I was excited about how how that block of cheddar. That's (laughs) because I use the Garmin Connect, and it's like orange. Okay. We got the block of cheddar in October, and I was like, All right, I
0: like that we're comparing these workouts in this time off to cheese. Yeah, no, you
1: why not? This is great. Well, this is delicious.
0: I'm wondering, you know, because even as recreational runners, like so much of our identity gets tied up in running, you know, like we finish a marathon, and it's like, I want to give myself some time to recover maybe run another marathon in the spring or maybe take a, you know, a little bit of a longer break and just do a half marathon. But as someone who it's, it's your full-time career and it's, it's like you're, it's, you know, probably a lot to you. How do you process that emotionally when you're taking time off? Because are you kind of thinking, what do I do if I'm not training hard?
1: I don't know. I guess that's a, that's a good question. Cause I, I'm known as a runner, like, you know, I wouldn't be on this podcast if I weren't a runner. Um, but I, I like to feel like I have other things going on in my life. Um, so I tried to do all the things that I can't do when I'm in serious training, you know, like be out in the sun all day, um, on a boat <laughs> or, you know, ride a, ride a bike around because like, oh, I'm tired. That will make my legs tire out or whatever. Um, yeah, I read a ton of books. Um, just stuff, which I do that when I'm running a lot anyways, but um, just tried to be okay not being defined as a runner, and that, you know, I was really comfortable with that, and it was kind of like, am I going to, is this where I get comfortable defining myself as something else, and then maybe I just never go back. Um, I wanted to get to the point where I asked, like, did I do I miss that or not, and I did, and that was good, and that was refreshing, and that's when it was like, okay, like ready. Yeah. I don't know if I answered the question. I went in a weird direction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, are you, are you happy that you took the break and are you more excited now for Boston 2018 because of the break?
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I needed the break. Like that wasn't like uh, if the exact same scenario was thrown at me, um, again, and I would do the I would respond the same way. Like I needed it. Um, I'm glad I took it and, now I'm super fired up for where I'm at and where I'm going. And, you know, I'm looking forward to Boston. I don't sign up for marathons unless I feel like I can kick ass. Oh, and I so love it. That's why I signed up. Um, and, you know, I'm going to do the work to back it up and and see what happens. So it'll be fun.
0: What are we, 17 weeks out, 18 weeks out?
1: I think 17-ish.
0: <laughs> okay, so are you really starting to crank it up?
1: No. Um, I'll do probably a th- 13 week build okay Um, i have a few more fun races a couple more bucket list 5ks coming up um new year's eve race in italy called the bow classic and it's on a 1.2 maybe k loop and you do a couple loops of it so that looks really cool i was like i want to i want to do that
0: (laughs) that's so cool and you'll be in italy for new year's eve
1: yeah, so super fun. I love racing on New Year's Eve if there's, if it ever works. like I'm the first person to sign up. And then I'll go do a cross-country race in northern Italy that's like just kind of down the road from there on January 6th. And then um, I actually just got added to the Great Edinburgh Team USA cross-country um, race that they do there. I've said the name totally wrong, but um, <laughs> it'll come out now. In- Days the uh, the announcement of Team USA for that that oh, race will cool. be another six uh, k cross country so just some different stuff and I think cross country is such a fun way to race really hard but um, like you don't know what it means it's like you just go and compete so that'll be fun
0: yeah I was gonna say as a as a marathoner now I mean what's that like racing such a short distance do you just feel like you're like balls to the wall the entire time
1: yeah no people are like what are you what is your tactic what's your race plan sprint Like, I want to do a six mile warm up with, you know, really hard strides. And then like, I kind of just want to be a little bit late to the start and run right into it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it works. (laughs) That's
0: a different kind of burn, than 5k.
1: But it's good. I think that that like competitive spirit is like what I need. I got to remind myself that it's okay to hurt for... A whole race. Because I think in the marathon, it's like you just you want to be just shy of that. And then you start doing that t- to other races and um, you get um little complacent. So like, I want to go in and maybe go out too hard or just like hurt for a whole 5k. Like, that's what I need to do right now.
0: So when you tow the line of a marathon, I mean, I feel like uh someone who's going for the W kind of has to say, like, I'm fierce, I'm ready. I want to win. I'm not nervous. But like, Tell me what you feel like when you're on the start
1: line. Do you get nervous at all? Um, It's a excited, nervous. You know, I think when training's gone well and you've put in months and months of work, you're, you're excited to show it off. Like I want to show people what I've been doing. I want to show people that I'm prepared that I, you know, belong at this level that I can talk about winning because this is, you know, the work shows that I'm a contender. Um, So, There's a lot of excitement, but obviously, and there's so many factors in the marathon where it can go horribly wrong. So that's just like, that's the nerves where you're like, what if I don't get to prove like what I show off what I've been doing? Like, what if it doesn't manifest in the result that is indicative of the training that I've been doing? And so that part's a little nerve wracking.
0: So who's your biggest role model in the, in the sport or some
1: of your biggest role models? Um, I mean, Joni and Dina are icons. They're just so tough and, um, you know, have done a lot for women's running. Uh, and and is just so incredibly normal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's just, we don't haven't spent as much time together, uh, but Dina is just a really down-to-earth, normal, likable person. So it's really cool to meet someone like that and be like, wow, like, she's real. <laughs> Um, And then the current, you know, the current group, obviously, um, I grew up, well, in college, I was a fan of Shalane and Kara. Um, Amy Craig Mm -hmm. was my roommate. So. Oh,
0: um, she was your roommate in college? For like
1: an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Like a semester, we were roommates and uh, we were really good friends in college. So.
0: Oh, I didn't um, know that.
1: So if you ever want some Amy stories, like I'm your girl, I like <laughs> stories about Amy.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Well, I would love to have Amy on the show sometime. I was going to yeah. ask you about that. Like, what is your relationship like with those girls? I mean, so you, Amy and Shalane all ran in the trial, I mean, in, in the Olympics and, and you got seventh place. Um, what's that like seeing your teammates cross the finish line or, um, you know, because I think was it Shalane, then you, then Amy? Is that how? Correct. Okay. So what? What's that like? So you got to see Amy cross. You didn't get to see Charlene cross.
1: Oh, I saw the back of her. Okay. Okay. It's <laughs> like oh, she's ahead of me. Uh, I was okay. Um, no, it it's a, it's same thing. There's just so much respect. You know, you you are competitors. You want to crush everybody else, um, and that's how you feel when you stand on the line and as you are hammering away at the piles, Um But it's the same thing where you know what everyone else has put into it and um, you know how hard it is for you and how hard it is for them. And so wherever you land, whatever you get on the day, there's just there's a lot of respect in the sport. And so you're. I feel like there's always when you can respect the way someone's competing and, and training and racing and the whole thing, then, you know, there's. You're proud of those people afterwards, no matter what the result is. Well,
0: is there an extra level of special being on Team USA together? I mean, opposed to towing the line and crossing the finish line at, like, Chicago or Boston. Sure. Yeah, I I mean,
1: it's weird because we're not teammates. Like, we don't practice every day together, but there is, like, you're wearing the same kit. You're representing the same thing. We all are so proud to put on that USA jersey, and we know what it means, and we know how hard it is to get – So, yeah, you're rooting for everybody. And honestly, I think we all were like, someone's coming away with a medal. So it was a little bit of disappointment. Mm -hmm. We're like, what just happened? But I think we all raced great. And, you know, obviously the the next thing you do is go, well, if there had been a team award, you know, if they had done team scoring, like nobody was better than us. And so there was a lot of pride in that, even though it's not a real thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it's really cool. I mean, three, you were all three in the top 10. That's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, I think you kind of hope that that moment, I mean, we didn't have the individual medal, but I think you hope that moment inspired the next generation and kids watching like, wow, they were, that was so cool. I want to do that. Like I like the way Dina's medal did for Amy and myself, I know 100%, um, I'm sure Shalane as well. Um, you know, so hopefully the, that outcome, that result um, inspired some people.
0: Would you say that that's, I mean, 2011 Chicago or Boston was kind of, you know, a big breakthrough for you. But what's the most important race of your life to date?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think there's been I mean, the trials was really special. The 2016 trials was really special because um, I ran the 2012 games with an injury and had to drop out. It's the only DNF of my career. And that was hard. Like you get to the pinnacle of the sport and be like no you don't even have a chance like you're not actually you're actually not even going to finish and good luck making it next Mm. time um so I like that finding out what that injury was how bad it was how long it was going to take to recover and then saying like okay I'm committed to this and I'm gonna I'm going to make another team and then you know four years later getting it done um anytime the you know things are stacked against me and I show up and get the job done despite the odds, um, that's when I'm super proud. Uh, it's not necessarily breaking the tape um, mm. that defined me. You know, wins and losses are great, but I think it's the character and the, um, the courage to keep showing up even when things aren't going your way. <laughs> that's really good. Um,
0: and it was a stress fracture to your femur, right? Correct. Yeah. So was that like a year to re- I mean like 6 months to recover or what?
1: Um yeah, it was probably 3 or 4 at least and then just being really out of shape. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and so then you got second place at the trials in 2016 and obviously ran in the Olympics and um so that's interesting, the the trials, 2016 trials. You think that that might be the big race. I mean, there's there's so many, I'm sure, but
1: Yeah, I mean I I was very proud of that one to make make a team again and get a second chance because i think that's rare and um american distance running is no joke so um yeah to finish that race was great and to get to get the spot and to get to do that again
0: it's far out but are you still thinking do you think that you'll go for 2020
1: i will 100 percent oh okay
0: um, she knows
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah no i i plan to run that long um i think after that i'll have to really think some things over and I think that the timing of the break I took this year was probably good I think it sets me up for a long-term approach to 2020 and I can wrap my, my mind around that time frame where like if I tried to keep going at that same intensity without taking that break I like oh my god that seems like forever you know it's like breaking down everything after mile 20 in the marathon you're like okay just get to the lady in the red shirt you know? <laughs> I can do that now instead of being like, oh my god, there's four years to go.
0: <laughs> well, and yeah, I mean that it's crazy though because it's only 2 years away, really. Yeah. Wow. Does seeing Dina break all these crazy masters records and um just how fast she ran into her late 30s even does that does that encourage you and inspire you to think of all the things that you that are yet to come?
1: Um Dina's incredible. I have no interest in doing the master's thing. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't know. I think I could see myself maybe definitely moving up in distance, Mm. um, taking on new challenges, but I'm not sure I would want to keep doing the marathon, but see myself get slower. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds like, I don't know if that sounds vain. I don't know what the right word is for it, but I would just, I want to like find new challenges. And I think, um, I find mountain running fascinating magdalena louis uh, Boulet is someone I really admire um, and she's doing a great job at that. Um, you know there's some longer distances that I would like to tackle if I stay in the sport
0: so tell us what a day in the life looks like uh, like when you're you know you say you're gonna ramp up training at week thirteen mm-hmm. or whatever what is the day in what is a day in the life
1: um it's a, it's incredibly boring. Uh, <laughs> get up early around six, get some coffee going. Um, I'll read a book for a little while and then out the door for the first run around eight o'clock. Um, do that. And a, in typical marathon training, it would be a 14 mile run in the morning. Uh, come back, have second breakfast cause I'll eat something small before. Um, I'll do second breakfast and then, you know, take a shower and hang out, probably read some more, maybe watch something on TV um, if I'm being good, I'll go get either a massage or some treatment, uh, maybe do some strength work, which I'm usually horrible about, but I'm putting it <laughs> out there in the universe so that I'll be better. I'll do my strength work. Um, and then I'll come back and do a second run, which in the evening is uh four miles, so eighteen on the day, shower, eat, T V, book, maybe, and then bed 9, 30, 10. So um a lot of marathon training is learning to love the monotonous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you get like 10 hours of sleep at night? Um, uh, eight to 10. Eight to I 10. I
1: probably eight. I was doing the math. It's eight technically in what, in what I just described. But I would probably get a nap in your I was going to
0: say, days. yeah. Are you a napper?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like Sometimes an hour? Depends if I've had how much coffee I've had. <laughs> mm. mm. Like, I'm a coffee napper, so I can. If I have the coffee nap, I'm an hour. If I don't, I'm like three hours.
0: Three hours. Yeah, I'll just be out. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. I think that that the mate, the the most envious part of uh, the life of an elite runner is the amazing sleep you guys get. Yeah, it's
1: necessary. Totally, it's a hard thing too to to describe. Like when I first met Ryan, his mom was like don't you get bored being unemployed? <laughs> she'd be so embarrassed if she heard this. But it's a great start. And I'm like, I have, like, I have a job. Um,
0: <laughs> this is my job.
1: Said, like I get to nap for it or, you know, I get to get a massage. And she totally gets it now. But right. it's just like, the first time she'd ever met like a professional runner. She's like, that sounds horrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now you say you like to read a lot. What's the best, most recent book you've read?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I've been telling everyone, A Gentleman in Moscow.
0: Okay. What's it about?
1: uh, a gentleman in Moscow. <laughs> it's, um, a count who gets, um, I, I don't know what the right, right word is, but he has to live inside this hotel in Moscow, um, instead of going to prison. And so the whole thing takes place in this hotel and it's, it's just really fun. And he like gets up all to, gets up to all these adventures and he meets these incredible people, but it all takes place in like over this huge amount of time in this one hotel. Um, And the writing is just really, it's so clever and smart and um, yeah, it's fantastic. And actually the tweet I wrote for um, the Boston announcement um, had a quote on it and it was from that author Um, and he retweeted it and wrote this really nice note. So it's on my Twitter. Oh Uh, yeah. The tweet where you tweeted the picture of all your times. Yep. Yeah. And then he wrote something about like, the fleetest of feet and the spiciest of spirit. Like who writes spiciest of spirit? That's so great. Who thinks of that? Yeah. Right. It was great. So that's just like this. Some of the stuff in there is just like, wow, that's so smart. So clever. It's just fun. Um, and all takes place in this one little, you know, hotel. So I liked it obviously.
0: (laughs) Right. So you're a whiskey connoisseur. Enthusiast. Yes. Enthusiast. Do you abstain while you're training intensely?
1: No. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, smaller portions. Cause that's all I can handle. But I don't, I think cutting things out is almost bad. You know, like if you want to sit down and have like a, a beer with your friends after your long run, that's okay. Like, I think it's when you cut stuff out, that's fun or that you enjoy. Um, then you're just like focused in the wrong way. Like, I wow, can't wait till I have my next, can't wait till after the Boston marathon. Mm. So I can have some whiskey. Like that seems so unhealthy. I think that makes you really relatable
0: to, um, everyday runners
1: good. I, I mean, I'd try to be normal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what about food though? I mean, cause to an extent you have to, you know, be healthy and, and eat, mm-hmm. eat pretty clean. Do you, mm-hmm. how do you
1: watch that? Um, I, th- I think you just put healthy things in the house, you know, you know, no less, less bags and boxes, more whole foods, healthy foods, vegetables, fruits, the whole thing. Um, but it, I think it's the same thing. I'll, one of the big problems when you're marathon training that I run into is getting enough food. I would rather have the bad thing instead of nothing. Like if I'm hungry and there's a donut and I'm at a donut shop and like, I just need to eat, like I have no problem eating the donut or if Mm. I'm craving a burger, I'm just going to eat the burger. Um, So I gravitate toward the healthy stuff. I like to eat that first, but you know, honestly, just getting enough in is, is really important.
0: What do you eat for breakfast the morning of – like, what will you eat for breakfast the morning of Boston?
1: Uh, I usually have a bagel of peanut butter. Mm. simple. Or, you know, what's really good, too, is just, like, a bowl of white rice. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> simple and, you know, digest like, very easily digestible, um, yeah, carbs.
0: But so. would you throw any protein on it?
1: Uh, morning of, not really.
0: Yeah. What do you like to – eat after a race? Do you have anything that you're like, oh, I really want some chips or whatever?
1: Um, The burger with a beer and like throw a bunch of jalapenos on there and like gross cheese. (laughs)
0: What was it with the beer? A burger. Oh, a burger with jalapenos and a bunch of gross cheese. What's your favorite kind of
1: cheese? Oh, good question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is is important. Uh, I like brie quite a bit. Cheddar.
0: (laughs) So, so after Boston, then will you go to a restaurant and get that, or what will you do?
1: There's um. So we usually stay at the Fairmont. They put us up. It's super nice, and there's an oak room that um. I know one of the bartenders there. Like I'm a regular. (laughs) Um, not because of the bar, but because of the food. I always go in there, so I probably will go there. And I'll be like, "Hey, it's so good to see you, and we'll catch up." And I'll probably either get a lobster roll or a burger. Nice. Yeah. Is your husband running this year? He's not, no.
0: Okay, so give me your top
1: three favorite bands. Oh, gosh. Um, the Rolling Stones. Ooh, good one. Ooh, right off, right off the bat. I got it, ooh. Um, can it be solo artists or bands? Only? It can be anybody. Okay. Um, I like Ryan Adams. Mm. Spent a lot of time listening to him.
0: Had, do you mm. listen, have you listened to his um, version of the Taylor Swift album? I love it. Yeah, it's good.
1: <laughs> you got a lot of crap for that. They were like, this is so dumb. Like, I thought it was cool. I hate it. And, oh gosh, I'm at a loss. I like Saves the Day. Saves the Day. That's really random. Yeah, that's a blast from the past.
0: Well, we saw the Rolling Stones on the 4th of July a couple years ago when they were touring.
1: I saw them too. They were fantastic.
0: I'm like, how is this man 70? Or he, I mean, he, Mick Jagger. I mean, he, yeah. I think he's 70, right? At least.
1: At least. Yeah, like a dance machine.
0: I'm like, how is he not having a heart attack right now? Because he never stopped. And you know that he has not had uh, a gentle life on his body.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, I would put like if they toured again, I would go in a heartbeat.
0: Oh, totally. Because, you know, like every song, even if you don't think you're going to, you will. Right. Um, OK, so let's wrap up with my end of the podcast questions. Did Josh send them over to you? No, oh. I don't know.
1: You might have.
0: Well, I actually uh, forgot to send them until this morning or last night really late, actually. So I, he maybe didn't or you hadn't checked your email, but this is my fault. So if if you need to pass on one, go for it. If okay. otherwise just come up with whatever you think of. They're just random questions. Right. Um, And I always ask. Uh, I just always ask everybody the same questions at the end. So uh, what's one thing personally or professionally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I would like to get a master's degree. I want to get an MBA.
0: What's your undergrad in? <laughs> um,
1: I'm officially useless. Psychology <laughs> and religious studies. I have two useless degrees.
0: Well, you're not useless because <laughs> you're a professional <laughs> <Thanks, well>, runner. <laughs> I run
1: as fast as I can. I'm running away from responsibility. Have you thought about what you want to do once you retire? Um, Initially, I wanted to go into sports psychology, and that's kind of the whole background with the degrees, which... um. It still interests me, but I feel like every year I get further away from it, I'm like, that'd be so much work. Mm, mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's going to be like what is right at the time. Do you work with a sports sports psychologist yourself? I don't. Um, I mean, I read a ton of books in the field and actually not to pump out my own podcast, but I have a really good friend who is a sports psychologist and we're going to try to put something together um, soon and just kind of do like running and the mental process that goes on and the whole thing. So a I pod- think you're going to start a
0: podcast. I think so. That's the oh, plan. Are we announcing this on my show?
1: Well, <laughs> we haven't named for it yet, but yeah, this is the first time we've talked about it. Yeah.
0: That's so exciting. Yeah. Oh, people will love that. That's awesome.
1: We'll see. Even if one person listens, I'll be like, sweet.
0: Oh, you'll, like, you'll my have my mom. To Your mom will definitely listen for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, I'll be a listener. I'm a podcast. Right. I'm an obsessed podcast listener.
1: That's
0: great. Um, What's an accomplishment you're most proud of?
1: I have to go back to the whole, this is really vague, but like getting up when you've been knocked back, you know, Mm -hmm. anytime that things have gone against me or like people said you couldn't and you get back up and you try, it's just having the courage to try in tough situations. That's good.
0: Well, my next question was, what's the best, most recent book you've read, but you've already
1: answered that question. How many? I'll give a second one. Yeah, I would love that. A nonfiction option um, is Angela Duckworth's, I think that's her name, uh, Grit. And it's on passion and perseverance, and it's fantastic.
0: Okay, that sounds good. If you had one message to send to the world, what would it be?
1: Um, Love what you do.
0: Love what you do.
1: Do what you love.
0: What are you loving right now? Like, Um, this can be, like, anything. It can be apparel a gadget traveling an app anything
1: oh, okay um let me think i did see these questions Justin, josh did send them i I, sent, an, I know i, I had sent had them, them
0: at like 11. 11 last night
1: no i got them um what am i loving right now oh uh, we have a new puppy that's not anything that you can get but <laughs> is this <laughs> your, your puppy that you named boston table? a turntable oh um, a turntable records that's fun
0: do you have Rolling Stones records?
1: I do. Well, they're new.
0: <laughs>
1: Somewhere out there is an old one with my name on it.
0: Is this your puppy named Boston? It is, yeah. Okay, so this is a pretty new thing then.
1: Yeah. Puppies are a lot of work. I was going to say, I said I was loving him, but we have our moments.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, potty training a dog, I sometimes I think that sounds harder than body training a kid.
1: For sure. And in the winter, it's just like,
0: really? Yeah, like, really, you need to go outside right now?
1: Right. Um, what's a nonprofit you like to support? Um, I really, I mean, financially, I give to a church in Detroit called New Life Detroit, and my brother-in-law works there, and he's super passionate about it. Um, and so we support them. Um, I'm a big fan of the 826 National um, programs. It's a youth writing and tutoring. Um, I don't support them in any way, but. <laughs> <laughs> talking about them and I would love to one day volunteer as a tutor when I have when they're a little closer to me yeah and I can get in and do it that would be fun the new life church is it a christian church or what kind
0: of church is it it is christian yeah do you have a religious affiliation yourself
1: um i'm christian just pretty weak
0: yeah i'm just <laughs> well, always intrigued by that like i'm always intrigued to know what people believe spiritually and and all mm-hmm. that
1: Yeah, I I feel like I'm, I am Christian, but I'm probably still figuring it out. Okay. You know, (laughs) apart from my mom, because she's like, yes, you're a Christian.
0: Yes, I feel the exact same way. And I feel the exact same way about what my mom would say as well. So I feel you. (laughs) Do you like to write yourself?
1: I do. Um, It's, it's, I feel like I'm really bad at it. And maybe that's kind of why I like it, because it's so challenging and um, you get feedback and improve and. Uh, It helps me process what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. Yeah. So I I enjoy it. I'm just not too awesome at it. (laughs) It's it's
0: therapeutic. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Well, Des, thank you so much for doing this.
1: Yeah, it's been fun.
0: I have to tell everybody who's listening that we spent about 40 minutes with like (laughs) technology issues. I mean, literally, we started this interview 40 minutes late, and you just hung on and helped me out. And you were such a trooper. So I really appreciate that.
1: No, it's fun stuff. Um, If the questions got bad, I would have just been like, oh, technology, and then hung up. (laughs) Kudos to you for making it a good time.
0: Well, I can't wait to cheer for you in Boston. Like, I'm going to be Mm -hmm. at the finish line stretch. So I will be waiting for you. And I'm so excited for, you know, the season ahead that you have.
1: Very good. Me too. I appreciate that.
0: All right. Well, good luck and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. That's going to wrap up 2017. Wow. That's crazy. Thank you guys so much for listening this year and continuing to be a part of this community. Thank you, Des, for coming on the show you guys can follow Des on Instagram, it's Des underscore Linden. And you can find her on Twitter as well, Des underscore Linden. She is also on Facebook where she has a fan page. If you search Des Linden, you'll find her. You guys can follow me on Instagram, Lindsay Hines 626 and you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine. We've also got a Facebook page and a Facebook group for this podcast, and I encourage you to check those out as well. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and I'm wishing you all a very happy new year. I'm so excited for what's to come in 2018 with the podcast and everything we've got going on and getting to know you guys all a little bit better in the coming year. Thanks so much to everybody who has supported the show through sharing it with friends, commenting on posts, leaving a review on iTunes, supporting on Patreon, just telling your friends about it. I mean, really the way this thing grows so organically is just when you talk about it to people who you think might enjoy the show. So for anybody who's out there who's recommended this show to friends or family members, I truly, truly appreciate that because that is how this thing works. And I just want to say, um, I know a lot of you have exciting things going on in 2018 as well. And I hope that I can be your cheerleader in some way, shape or form and support you. If you ever have anything exciting going on that you'd like to share with this community, feel free to join our Facebook group and post about it and share because I love supporting other entrepreneurs or other people that are just working hard on something that they are passionate about and dream big about. So let's all do something that makes us excited and happy in 2018. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Zappos, Run the Edge, and Generation You Can for supporting the podcast. Most importantly, thank all of you for listening. And uh, have a great weekend. Have a wonderful New Year's. And uh, I'll see you in 2018.